Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. A little later in the program, we're going to talk about tax foreclosure here in the city of Detroit. It is tax foreclosure season. We're going to talk about something that the county is doing to try to help people who are behind on their taxes and maybe facing foreclosure uh, this fall. And then we're going to talk to two activists who have been working in this space for a long time to try to help families who just can't keep up with those bills and face foreclosure. So you're going to want to stay tuned to those segments, which will get started at about half past the hour. But first, today, yesterday brought a couple of very big developments in the many facets of Robert Mueller's investigation into the Trump campaign from 2016. So we had former campaign chairman Paul Manafort get convicted on eight of 18 counts related to tax fraud. The other 10 counts were declared a mistrial. The jury could not reach consensus on those. Meanwhile, Trump's longtime personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, who was considered Trump's fixer, pled guilty to campaign finance violations for his role in bribing women into silence about their affairs with Donald Trump. Cohen also says he was acting on the directives of Trump himself. So what do these developments mean for the overall investigation into Trump's campaign? I don't know that we have seen a single day with bigger headlines than we did yesterday in all of this. So uh, joining us to help tell us what it means is Barbara McQuaid. She is the former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. She now teaches at the University of Michigan. Barb, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks very much, Stephen. Yeah. So let's start with what these developments mean for this overall investigation. It seems from a news perspective like a big day, two big headlines, but in the, in the sort of terms that Robert Mueller has to be thinking about these things, does this bring him closer to the president, closer to uh, deciding what the president may have done and whether he might charge him? Yes, I think potentially the answer is yes. Of course, we've got convictions against Manafort and uh, Michael Cohen. But um, in terms of the bigger picture, I think it gives opportunities for Robert Mueller to explore cooperation with both of them. You know, Paul Manafort has uh, stood firm so far, not seeking cooperation. But if you think about it strategically, no one cooperates until they have to. Mm-hmm. And with two trials, he sort of got two bites at the apple there. I could see his lawyers saying to him, let's see what happens at the first trial. Maybe you beat the rap and uh, you you can go forward. Now that he's been convicted in this case, I could imagine them discussing with him, maybe now is the time to cooperate. You could uh, put together some sort of global resolution with the pending case that you have in the District of Columbia, Mm -hmm. seek a reduction in your sentence in this Alexandria, Virginia case, and agree to cooperate. And I think Robert Mueller would very much go for that because, you know, remember, his, his job isn't to go after and out to get President Trump. His job is a quest for the truth. And Paul Manafort is someone who was present at that Trump Tower meeting in June 2016. He was on the campaign in the summer leading up to the election during the times where uh, the hacking occurs and the emails get disseminated. And so he likely knows the truth. And Mm -hmm. so I think Robert Mueller, whatever that truth is, very much wants to know what that is. Same with Michael Cohen. He has, um, his plea agreement does not provide for cooperation per se, but I'll bet it's coming. Um, you know, I think one of the things that has caused some delay in that case is the fact that a special master was reviewing the search materials from his office hmm. and just concluded this Monday um, for attorney-client privilege. And so until you've had a chance to see all of those things, the prosecutor is not going to want to enter into a cooperation agreement. It's uh, 
they would want to confront him with all of those documents and test his truthfulness before they sign him up as a witness and agree to give him any benefit in exchange for cooperation because they need to know they can trust him, and they can't do that unless what he says is backed up by the documents. So yeah. I think significant to the big picture on, on both counts. So so um, let's talk about what that that could mean sort of going forward. I mean, one of the things that, that strikes me about this is that, uh, you know, these are these are tricky issues uh, when, when you talk about a president, a sitting president, and what can be done. I wonder if you think that the news yesterday makes it clearer what Robert Mueller's options look like in terms of finality here uh, and, and whether, whether um, you know, also whether, whether Congress, uh, who has a very important role in deciding whether this president serves out uh, his entire term, whether that makes it clearer for them. I think that Robert Mueller is likely to continue to abide by Department of Justice policy It is not settled law, and many scholars disagree, but the Department of Justice issued guidance opinions during the Watergate era and again during the Bill Clinton era that said a sitting president cannot be indicted. And the policy reasons for that is that he's just too busy running the country to have to deal with defending himself criminally. Mm -hmm. I don't see that that's changed, and I think that Robert Mueller is likely to abide by that. We now, though, have a witness saying on the record, Michael Cohen, that the president directed him to engage in campaign finance violations. Yes. That is solicitation of, of crime, and if that can be corroborated by other evidence, um, I think it is potentially an impeachable offense. The offenses are high crimes and misdemeanors, which, uh, as President Ford once said, is really anything Congress says it is. Mm-hmm. And so it really depends on the appetite of this Congress or its successor after the midterm elections as to whether this is an impeachable offense. I don't think it's quite ready. It's that's quite ripe. All we know is Michael Cohen says he did. Mm-hmm. I think that we would want more evidence of that. I think Robert Mueller would. But there is that tape recording that suggests he's certainly knowledgeable about it and involved in discussing how they're going to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, similar question. What is what is it? Uh, what role does the fact that this happened before Donald Trump was president have? In the decision making, uh, you know, the Constitution is not terribly clear about things that the president may have done before he or she was president, or things that he or she did to try to become president, which is what what I think we're dealing with here. Does that tie Congress's hands a little bit uh, in terms of trying to respond to this? Yes, I think that is an unresolved question, and it's a great question. I think that gives um, there's some some doubt and some room for argument that it is not grounds for impeachment as it occurred before the president was, you know, I think it's, uh, most people think of it as misconduct in office, but that's not really clear. And there's a constitutional law scholar in Cass Sunstein who's written a book on impeachment, and mm-hmm. he's of the opinion that uh, crimes occurring in obtaining the office itself would be sufficient for indictment. So if he obtained the presidency by uh, you know, committing a fraud, by committing a campaign vi- finance violation, then he should not get the benefit of that crime by continuing to serve as president, it's sort of akin to people who engage in immigration fraud. Mm-hmm. If you lied to get your citizenship by saying something that was materially false, then the remedy is to be stripped of your citizenship. And so there's an argument to be made uh, that it is an impeachable offense. But I do think that there is um, an argument on the other side that could give people political cover to refrain from uh, impeachment on this issue. Hmm.
This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Barbara McQuaid. She is the former U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. She now teaches at the University of Michigan. We're talking about the big headlines that came out of the investigations into the Trump campaign from 2016. Yesterday, uh, Paul Manafort, the the president's former campaign manager, was convicted on eight of 18 counts of tax fraud. Uh, His personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, pled guilty uh, and said that he'd done things on behalf of Donald Trump, uh, things that were uh, maybe illegal campaign finance violations. Uh, We want to hear from you. What do you think about that news? What do you think this means in terms of where this investigation is headed? What do you think this means for Paul, uh, not just uh, Bob Mueller, but also for Congress, uh, who has a very important role to play in deciding whether the president serves out his entire term. The number on the phones, as always, is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. A gala on Twitter says, happy, I think, the American people will start hearing exactly the extent of what all was going on leading up to this election. Dave on Twitter says, I'm not celebrating yet. The GOP and everyone in the party are lying, worthless cheats. I highly doubt they'll act on a felony related to campaign finance. We'll have to see several counts of conspiracy and money laundering before the American people force the GOP to act. Uh, before we get to the phones, Barbara, I want to ask you about the continued assertions from Trump's inner circle, that there are no collusion charges against anyone uh, and that there is no suggestion really in any of this that there was collusion. Collusion, though, is one one prong of this. But these these uh, developments yesterday have to do with other things. Is is the president more vulnerable from other actions he took or other things he said than he is from the idea that maybe he worked with Russian officials during the campaign? I think he's potentially vulnerable to both. Um, you know, Michael Cohen likely knows things about, you know, he was his lawyer for 17 years, about some of the other ties, but it's certainly intertwined with this, you know, general vague concept of collusion that we talk about, which of course is not itself a crime, but this idea of in partnership with Russia to influence the election. I, there's been reporting that President Trump had a long history of working with uh, shady Russian businessmen, oligarchs, mm-hmm. who were trying to get their money out of Russia and find places to park it in the United States, and that he accepted a lot of that money in exchange for you know real estate, buying real estate, um, and, and overpaying for that. If he was aware that that was the proceeds of illegal activity, then he could be involved in some money laundering. But I don't think it can be separated from uh, the influence on the presidency, because it was through those relationships, potentially, uh, that he uh, worked with Russia to obtain the presidency. So I think that's the connection that people are looking for there. Um, and, you know, th- I think we have to take a step back and remember, this isn't about um, going after Trump. It is about a, a quest for the truth to mm-hmm. understand how Russia interfered with the election. And I think that's what Robert Mueller is all about. And I think that he will not rest until every stone is turned over. It may implicate other people. It may or may not implicate President Trump, but I think we need to learn what happened so that we can avoid having that happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Maggie on Facebook says uh, Cohen was doing Trump's bidding. Trump hasn't pled, but he is just as guilty. Brian on Facebook says, well, I guess this counts as draining 
the swamp. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Chris in West Bloomfield. Chris, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you, and thank you for taking my call. Thank sure. you for your uh, long public service, uh, Ms. McQuaid, as well. Thank you. Uh, the, the, the concept that uh, a candidate can break the law in order to uh, obtain the presidency, and then it seems as though they'd be able to pardon themselves for crimes committed <laughs> during the election. Right. That seems antithetical to anything. I mean, like, there are definitely third-world countries that seem to have better rule of law than we do on that matter, and it just seems crazy to me that that would be possible. But from what I'm hearing, that could be possible. Hmm. Chris, uh, thanks very much for the call and the question. I think it's a really good question. Barb uh, McQuaid, talk about whether the president could make all this go away by just uh, pardoning himself, uh, which is something that people have have at least hinted is possible. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I know that some people have suggested that, some um scholars and supporters of President Trump is that his pardon power is absolute and he can pardon himself. The Constitution does make clear one thing. It says, except in cases of impeachment, uh, the power of the pardon is absolute. So I think that um, it does not go quite so far as that. It would also be contrary to the concepts of our legal system that you know no man can be a judge in his own case. Right. So I think that if that case were to come before the Supreme Court and were tested, that um, that, that would prevail. Now, you know, all of these things are untested, and so it really is a little bit of guesswork what a Supreme Court might do, but it just seems so contrary to our concept of a nation of laws uh, that I would think that it would just go too far there. I think there are technical arguments about whether a president can be indicted, um, whether this is an impeachable offense, whether he could be impeached for pre-office conduct, but I think the, the last piece about pardoning himself is, is probably just uh, too much to withstand um, constitutional scrutiny. Okay, Barbara McQuaid, former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, now teaching at the University of Michigan. As always, great to hear from you on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Up next, the Wayne County tax foreclosure auction is coming up in a couple weeks. We're going to discuss how things have changed and how they could be better when it comes to tax foreclosure in our region. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out entirely. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.